You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. So would you guys help me honor Marla as she comes? So good to be here with everybody. Doesn't it feel good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. You know, whenever uh, stuff hits us, whenever life gets tough, the one thing that we can turn to is God's Word. This is the truth. It always has been, and it always will be. So that's what we're going to do today. So let's just, if we can in any way, just kind of move this other stuff aside, and let's focus on Jesus. Let's do that. So uh, Pastor Andy's been doing a series on uh, the armor of God. That's really exciting for me, and I'm going to get to share today on the helmet of salvation. So if you'll open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start there and just um, kind of just review just for a second. This is a Pauline epistle. He wrote it from prison to the people at Ephesus. And I learned something about Ephesus uh, whenever he said that it was to the saints. There were two types of saints in Ephesus. There were saints that were, um, they were going after other gods, but they were dedicated to that. But he, was, he made a specification that he was talking to the saints who were following Jesus Christ. So this was not to the lost people, this was to the churches. But as the churches got the word, they were going to go and try to win people to Christ themselves. So this is kind of like they were getting a church sermon sent to them and saying, this is what um, I want to say to you. From prison, can you imagine? Wanting to encourage other people from prison. Let's look in uh, chapter 6, verse 10. And this has already been covered. We're just going to just review for a second. The title at the top of this paragraph in my Bible says the whole armor of God. You may not have that or you may have something different, but this is the whole armor of God. And this is the last thing he says in the letter. He says, finally, finally, my last words to you in this letter, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, and we always ask, what's it there for? He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. Let's pray. Father God, we ask your presence to be powerful in this place. Without your spirit and without your power, Lord, words will fall flat. So I ask you, Lord, to show us yourself. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to touch hearts and to touch lives and to teach us your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I um, started out with this. Uh, the, the armor of God is so important to me because several years ago, uh, right when we first started this church, The enemy um, decided to camp out on my doorstep for some reason. And it seemed like everything we started to do for the church, I got attacked like 
mentally. I mean, I'd never been afraid of some stupid stuff I started being afraid of, you know? It was just crazy. And it was all an attack of the enemy, but it was against my mind. And I remember not really having dealt with that too much before, and I had, you know, kids in junior high and that kind of thing, and I was like, what is going on? Why am I so afraid of all this stuff? And we started studying about the whole armor of God, and I had heard that since I was a little kid. I knew about it. But I literally, and I know you've done this too, you've taken the scripture that like you engraved it on your heart and it became part of you. And I literally did that. And it's so funny because I would lay in bed at night and I had to imagine it so I wouldn't forget any of it. But I would imagine, I would say, Lord, I put on the helmet of salvation because I know you saved me. I'm saved. I know I'm saved, okay? And I'd say, Lord, I put on the breastplate of righteousness and I'm not righteous because of anything I've done but it's all because of you. And then I would put on the belt of truth because if I didn't have the truth, I didn't have anything. I needed truth. And so God is the truth of my life. And then I would go down to the shoes of peace more than anything I thought. I just need peace. Did y'all feel that last week? I just need some peace. Just when you feel the peace of God, you can handle anything with him. And so, and then I would say, I take up the, sh- the shield of faith because I have faith that you're going to hold my salvation in your hand. And I take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that will always, always be the truth that we can turn to. It never changes. And whenever I started reading this, I saw that that was not the order at all that it was in. So that was kind of funny to me. I started imagining a soldier getting ready for battle. Can you imagine him? He's in his PJs, okay? He's fixing to put on his tunic, but he's got his helmet on first. Nobody does that. Football players would not put their helmet on first. You couldn't bend over and tie your shoes without your helmet falling off. And so there's a specific order that he, he knew how a soldier got dressed. I thought this was so interesting that the tunic went on first, and then the belt, and then the breastplate, and then uh, the shoes, and then the, uh, the shield of faith, then the helmet, and then the sword. So just try to picture that. And if you remember, the Roman soldiers did not have on pants. They had on like a, it was like a tunic, a dress, and there were metal um, pieces to the skirt that protected them, and they had all of this heavy, heavy armor, and every piece was specific for each part of their body that could be hit with an arrow or some other horrible um, weapon of war. And so this is a great parallel that Paul used, and he wanted us to understand it. And I got some information, too, from this. I just want just a, if, if you're a reader, if you like to read or you like to study, this is an old, old book. You can tell it is falling apart. It's uh, Kenneth Wiest, and it's his word studies. And what he does is he takes the original Greek language, and he brings that word, the, our English word, and, and enhances it with how it was spoken in the Greek. And it really is helpful because you see a lot of different things. I'm going to show you a couple of things that I learned um, and I thought this was interesting, too. I ordered this book, The Whole Armor of God, and I thought, you yeah, know, this guy's he's pretty good. i never heard of him before. He's pretty good. This was first published in 1916. So we've been studying the same thing for a long, long time. I thought that was kind of neat. Anyway, uh, we know that Ephesus was the place where Paul was writing to. There were other letters that he wrote. He wrote them from prison, and it was to encourage them in their faith. A lot of them were brand new Christians, and they needed encouragement. But some of us are old Christians. Do we need encouragement? A lot of encouragement. Because if we're not encouraged, if we're not built up, then it's hard for us to give out to other people. In chapter uh, 6, verse 10, it says, um, 
Finally, be strong in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes and the wiles of the devil. So that's what we're going to talk about, the schemes and the wiles of the devil that come against our mind. How many of you fight with stuff in your mind? Anybody? The battle is in the mind. And sometimes we're fighting with other people, and that's not the battle. This battle we have, it's with the enemy. It's the enemy who hates God, who hates the God in us. It's not us. Um, it's the enemy. So we're going to talk about first, we know who it was to. It was to believers. It was not to unbelievers. Um, it was to the ones who had decided to follow Christ. And this was not a popular thing then. We have a great place where we can worship God and not be attacked horribly like they were or imprisoned for it. Um, but they were. And so this was a huge thing for them. And we're going to talk about what the whole armor of God, all the pieces, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, when you're going to put it on is after the shield of faith and before the sword of the Spirit. So I kind of saw the helmet in between the faith, shield, and the truth, which is the Word. So if we keep our mind between the faith and the truth, we're going to do okay. We're going to be on top of things instead of underneath things. Sometimes we get underneath because the enemy is so hard on us, and we, we need to be filled up and filled up and filled up with the, Lord, with the Word. Um, and he said to put each piece on with what? With prayer. You know, we can picture ourselves doing that, but he said, Paul said, Ephesians, I want you to put this on spiritually, each piece with prayer. And so that's how we learn to do that. And I learned something about um, the word there. It means that uh, they have an aorist tense in the Greek. We have past, present, and future tenses. There were different tenses. This one means put it on spiritually once and for all. So when we get saved, it's once and for all. How awesome is that, that when we put on that helmet of salvation spiritually, it's not coming off. During the day, we might get tired and take our, hat, our helmet off or lay our sword down or, you know, not uh, pick up the shield of faith like we should. But spiritually, it's all intact. We are all intact. We are an army servant of the Lord. And the reason we want uh, to put this on our heads is that we will protect our minds from the schemes. And I looked up these words. The schemes are like underhanded plots. Do you ever feel like you're getting underhanded plots against you from the devil? underhandedly, just so hidden below the belt, just so awful. The wiles are like tricks or traps. Do you ever feel tricked by something or trapped? The enemy tries to make you think something that's not right. Or strategies, a plan, a series of maneuvers for a specific goal or result. And we know two things about the enemy. One is that he is not omniscient. He does not know what we're thinking. Thank the Lord, he doesn't. But he does know what we believe and how we, how we think because of what we do and what we say. So when we give him that information, then he can use it against us. We know that. It can be used against us. So it's, it is important what we say and what we do. I always think about, like, if I come in at night and, you know, and I'll just come in and do my thing and then lock up and go to bed, you know, the enemy sees, well, she's not afraid, you know. If I come in and I'm like stealthily looking around the house, looking under every bed and looking behind every closet and just panicking and freaking out, he knows I got a problem with fear. So I want to be, be able to portray what God's doing inside of me, which is the peace of God. 
He also um, deals with us with deceit, to try to distort the truth. I heard T.D. Jakes last week. There was a girl that was a model, and she was so thin, and she, he was asking her about how she saw herself and how did she get into this horrible de- eating disorder that she had. And she said, I would look into the mirror, and I saw a distorted person. She had since I met the Lord. But before that, she said, it was truly, my face was disfigured and distorted in the mirror. And I'd heard of that, but I'd never heard of any, I'd never seen anybody, you know, that talked about it. And I thought, that is just like the enemy. Even if he doesn't show you something in the mirror, he distorts what you think about yourself. Think about it. And he distorts what you think other people think about you. If someone walks into the room and they don't speak to you right away, the devil's saying, they don't like you today, or they're mad at you, or whatever. You know how the enemy does. Or we walk into a room, and we don't feel that uplift, and we're thinking, what's wrong with me? What did I do? And so the enemy takes what we have, and he distorts it for, for evil. And the whole thing is to get us to walk away or not trust God anymore. That's what he wants to do. We're saved in Christ, and we're not going to be unsaved once we're saved but he can make us pull away and stop reading because we think, well, it's not helping me. But that's not the truth. Put your belt of truth on once and for all and say, I believe that this is the truth of God for my life. And that's what I'm going to believe in no matter what. There's a scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11. It's my favorite. It's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Sorry. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that's what the enemy comes against me about. He tells me that my future doesn't look good or that I don't have hope. And I know that's not the truth. I was born, I cut my teeth on the word of God. My parents taught me about Jesus. And I know that's not true. But on the hard days, and you've had them, everybody's had them. And that's another thing that he'll tell you. He'll tell you to look around and everybody else looks like they have it together, but you don't. Do you ever think that? We look around and we say, God, they don't ever go through that or they don't struggle with stuff in their mind. We don't know what people go through. Everybody's going through something. We live in a broken world and without Jesus, it is so difficult. I cannot imagine waking up in the morning and not knowing Jesus. He is everything. We need him. We need him every day, every minute of the day. And we need to believe what he says because it's the truth. It's the only truth. doesn't matter what the world says. The helmet of salvation protects me from the plans of the enemy to come to my mind. The battle is in my mind. It's not out there. It's not against people. When you're arguing with someone or you feel like somebody's mad at you or something, it's not between you and them. It's what the enemy is doing. What underhanded plots does the enemy use to trip you up? Does he try to trigger painful memories? You ever been through that? Everything's going great, sun's shining, everything's wonderful, and he'll remind you of something that was hurtful in your past. Either someone hurt you or you went through something that, that made you um, feel unloved. Or does he get you to doubt your good future, like in Jeremiah 29, 11? We know we have a good future. He promised us that, and he's never failed. I love the song that we were singing. He's never failed us. He never has. He's never going to. We're going to spend eternity with him. What is the wiles of the devil? I think about people that are, um, have addictions, 
and there are all kinds of addictions. It's not just the ones that we think of that pop up. People are addicted to all kinds of things because the enemy has tricked them, and then he's trapped them. Some people feel like they'll never get out of an addiction, and so they tend to lose heart and lose hope. And we as the church are the ones to say, you know what? God's going to get you through that. You turn to him and you ask him, and he has never, ever failed me. You can say as a Christian, he's never failed me. And I can tell you that. He has never failed me yet. Been through some hard things, and you have too. Some of you are going through hard things right now. But he has never failed you, and he never will. Um, Sometimes he'll tell you the situation you're in is never going to change. And then other times he'll tell you the season that you're in is never going to end. And then he'll tell you sometimes there's no hope for me to change. You ever thought that? I can't change how I am, but we can. And the way we do that is through Scripture. In Jeremiah 33, 3, he says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And I say it with the thee because it rhymes and it sticks in my head. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. All we have to do is call unto him. And when we cry out, he hears us. We're his kids. You ever heard your little one cry from the other room? Mama, you are going to kill yourself to get to the other room to find out what's wrong. God hears your cries. He hears everything that you think and everything that you say to him. What strategies does he use to make you doubt and be fearful? He uses the news. He uses some of your negative friends that you love, but they're really negative. They can, they can have an effect on you. You can start thinking like they think. They tell you that God doesn't care because he let whatever happen to you. Have you ever thought that? If God really cared about me, why would he let that happen to me? We live in a broken world. Jesus is here to save us. He did not come to do bad things to us. He loves us, and he walks through every single difficult thing with us. The Bible says that don't be, don't be surprised when things happen. Don't be surprised when hard things come. Turn to me. Turn to Jesus. Call out. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer you. And that's how we get through stuff. Sometimes he wants to distort us, and we talked about that, how, you, how we see ourselves. Or sometimes he'll try to trick you. He'll try to tell you physically you're going to get that. Your grandma had that, so you're going to get that. He tries to trick you. He tries to tell you mentally, you know, you're not very stable. He tries to tell us that sometimes. He tries to tell us spiritually, you know, you're not all that. You just need to step back. You don't need to be teaching. You don't need to be talking to people about Jesus. You just need to step back because you don't have it all together. And we stop. And we stop listening to what the Lord is saying. And emotionally, we can be confused. Have you ever been in a situation where the peace of God comes? The situation is crazy. We've been through some of that. The situation is crazy. And we get confused. Like, I'm not sure what I should do. But let the peace of God come, and it's all okay. All of a sudden, I can think clearly. It's the craziest thing. How sometimes I, I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. I've had to make decisions. I don't know what to do. And I talk to other people, and everybody's got an opinion, you know, a different one. And so you have to come back to you and the Lord and say, Lord, just give me peace. And then we get the answer that he wants us to have, not what everybody else tells us. Because sometimes they just don't know what we need. How do we protect ourselves from the enemy's schemes and wiles and tricks and deceits? We take up the armor of God and we put each piece on with prayer. And I learned something about the shoes. Um, And it was from Dr. Wiest. He said in here that at the bottom of the sandals, you know, they had leather straps that went around the ankle and around the instep. That was to keep their foot 
uh, pretty stable. But on the bottom of it, there were nail heads that were in all inside the bottom of their sandals so that when they stood, they weren't shifting because they were on rocks and all kinds of different terrain. And so they needed that stability. And they had that, that sureness underneath their feet. That's what the peace of God does. When you feel like everything's getting out of control, you can steady yourself on the word of God. And you can say, this is what God says, and this is the truth, and I'm going to believe it. And that's what gets us through. The helmet of salvation is also called the helmet of hope in 1 Thessalonians 5.8. I had not really read that before, but it talks about the helmet of hope. And salvation is our hope. Jesus is our hope. We put all our trust in him. We decide that we're not doing very good with our lives. And we turn everything over to him. But then some of us, even as a young child, we knew that we wanted to love Jesus. When you hear about Jesus, you step toward him as a child. And God says to come to him like a little child. So it is, if you don't have that assuredness in your heart today, you don't know for sure that you're saved. The Bible says we can know. He said, I write these things to you so that you can know. You can know that you're saved. You can know that you have that spiritual helmet of salvation on your head, and you cannot be fearful to walk through this life. So that's what uh, one of the aorist tenses I was talking about. The word salvation, you know, it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That believe means that when you decide in your heart that you want to believe Jesus and let him take over your life instead of you, with all the mistakes we make, let Jesus take over. Then when we do that, that is in an aorist tense, which means it is divorced from time. So I'm not holding my salvation. If I held it, I would have lost it a few times. You know what I'm saying? But I lose my keys. I mean, no telling what I do with my salvation, you know. But salvation is held in God's hands. It's a point in time that's literally divorced from the timeline because God doesn't have time. He can fellowship with you before you were born right now, and he's already fellowshipping with all of us in heaven. So time's not his thing. It's our thing. But we need to know that that point in time is divorced from time, and God holds it. So you don't have to be fearful all the time that you're going to lose your salvation. If you believe that and that's a doctrine, that's fine. I mean, everybody has their own different interpretations. But I believe that, that because of that interpretation, that God holds my salvation. Honestly, I couldn't sleep very good if I didn't think he did. So he holds it all together, not me. Dr. Wee said, being saved means a definite taking of oneself out of one's own keeping and entrusting oneself into the keeping of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're just saying, Lord, I can't do it. We need you. We need you right now. We need the Lord to tell us how to help each other. We need the Lord to direct us in how to help the people that are, that are without homes and in horrible situations. We need God to help us to know what to do. Whenever he says that we are to put on the armor, it was... In the Greek, a command to be given with military snap and curtness. It was a command, a command to be obeyed once and for all. So Jesus was telling us through Paul, you've got to do this. This is for your good. It was never for the Lord. He's fine. It's for us. We need to know what we need to do to stay in fellowship with him. The translation of Ephesians 6.13 says, On this account... Take to yourself at once and for all the complete armor of God in order that you may be able to stand and resist in the day, 
the pernicious, which means the hurtful, harmful, wicked one, and having achieved all things to stand. When we've done everything we know to do, everything you've ever learned in the scripture, at that moment, all you can do is stand. And you know, that's a real peaceful place to just stand sometimes. It's so hard. We get, I even got anxiety uh, the past few days of, I wanted to help people. And I was like, I don't know what, there's thousands of needs. How do you know that? And I heard in my heart, the Lord said, you can only do one thing at one time. You're just one person. I got okay. It's <laughs> like, okay, Lord, show me the one thing I can do, and I'll do that. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You know, in this day and time, we need to have a sound mind. There's a lot of crazy minds out there. We need to have a sound and a stable mind. And I pray for that all the time. I pray this, Second Timothy one seven. Lord, you didn't give me a spirit of fear. If you're hearing fear or feeling fear, that is not from God. Right off the top, that is not from God. You need to call unto the Lord and ask him to help you because that's not him. And remember, the battle is the Lord's. We're in it, but he's fighting it, and he's already won it. So what we do is we get up and we do what God shows us to do on a daily basis with the eight hours he gives us. You know, we can't save the world by ourselves. We can't save the world even in a group like this. But every person we touch is one more. And if everybody touches one, then so much more gets done. And I just pray that through this time and, and hopefully through the rest of your life that you will consider what the Lord has given you, your spiritual armor. And if you're not sure today that you have that salvation nailed down, don't leave here before you talk to somebody. Any of us can lead you to the Lord. It's a simple prayer of saying, Lord, I'm not doing good with my life. I haven't done a good job. I'm turning it over to you. And then we read his word, and we ask him what he wants us to know. And it's all here. And I'm so thankful that we have that. And I'm thankful for this church. There are some loving, loving, loving people in this church. And hard workers, we are very, very blessed in this church. And I thank God for the freedom that we've seen and the freedom we continue to see. I continually to get set free. We all do. And so that's what, that's what our message is, to set the captive free. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you today for your salvation. Lord, that you saved us by going to the cross willfully. And Lord, giving up your whole life with the sins that we've committed, past, present, and the ones we will commit. You took all of that on yourself so that we could have life and so that we could turn to you and call out to you, Lord, and that you would calm the storm immediately. I thank you, Lord, for everything you've done and every promise you give us that we can hold on to. And Lord, more than anything, I thank you that you never change. We do, but you never do. And we honor you and we glorify you and we bless your holy name.